Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Happy Friday. Welcome in. It's New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Chachi Stremsky. Right here on this first December weekend, where else? The Ringer Podcast Network. I got a little extra pep in my step because I'm going to be on a flight to Miami, Florida in about six and a half hours. I'm going to be basically dead. So if you see me in the airport and I got bags under my eyes and you can't see through my mask and my sunglasses and the hood that's going to be over my head, I'm going to look like a crazy person. But when you're on no sleep, and it goes back to my old days, you know, I'm not used to that schedule anymore. My body now is like healed. It is like in this like, you know, good place. I got Peloton workouts. I got seven mile runs. I get seven and eight hours of sleep. I will not be flying on seven or eight hours of sleep as I get ready to watch the Giants and the Miami Dolphins. And thank goodness. This Thursday night game is over and done with. I think Taysom Hill just threw another interception. The Cowboys desperately needed a win. They get a win. It was not exactly a game that was easy on the eyes. Again, the officiating stinks. There were 10 zillion turnovers. There were quarterbacks missing throws left and right. The Cowboys, after what we saw on Thanksgiving Day, needed a game. They needed a game. They got a game. The Saints, they're right in the mess that is the NFC wildcard race. And that brings me to the Giants. Because they are, believe it or not, one of the teams, one of the thousands that can kind of carve and could try to justify in some way to their fan base that they're in it over the final month of the year. I think it's far more a byproduct of the race for the wild card in the NFC for that final spot being an absolute joke. But... You look, Washington is all of a sudden in it. The Vikings lose to the Niners last week. They're right there. The Saints, the Falcons still have a pulse. The the stinking Bears still have a pulse. If you're going to entertain the idea at all that it's some sort of possibility 
probability that the Giants could make things interesting over the next couple weeks, well, they have to win on Sunday. Here's the problem for them on Sunday. They're going up against a red-hot football team. They're going up against a quarterback that's gained more and more and more confidence as he's getting healthier and healthier and healthier. You have a Dolphin defense that sends the house. And we don't even know, as of right now, who's starting on Sunday. We last chatted Tuesday. It looked like Daniel Jones was out, Mike Lennon's in. Coaching staff, is it gamesmanship? Is it the idea of trying to, you know, throw and pull a fast one on the Miami Dolphins? I have no idea. So, I think it's 50-50 at this point if we see Daniel Jones or if we see Mike Lennon. And that's why the Daniel Jones future conversation has come to the forefront. This idea of, do you want to go and give him the fifth-year option? Are you going to pick up that fifth-year option? Are you in on making a trade for somebody along the lines of Russell Wilson with those two first-round picks? Which, oh, by the way, I would be very open to if Seattle's going down that road and the Giants and the Seahawks can... Sing matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Get me a quarterback, get me a start. It doesn't work, but I tried. I tried. I don't have a future in Broadway. Maybe in another lifetime. I'll be auditioning for West Side Story. Not tonight. Russell Wilson and the Giants, though, would be a match made in heaven. The fifth-year option conversation with Jones? Save that for February. Jones got to show me that he could be number one durable and number two better than what he's been. He's been eh, okay. He's been a dude. He's been a capable, average to below average starting quarterback in the NFL. That next regime's got to make that decision. But that might be on the line for him over these next couple weeks. And does he try to rush to get back on the field to prove and justify that? That's a question to watch come Sunday. As for the Jets, Wilson back at quarterback. And they are trying to do something that they have never done as a franchise. The New York Jets have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. Think about that for a minute. The Jets have never beaten the Eagles. Now, they don't play every year. Weird quirks in the scheduling and whatnot. I mean, the Giants haven't lost to the Dolphins in 18 years. Take that for what it's worth. But the Jets have never beaten the Eagles. The Eagles lost in this stadium last week. Jalen Hurts can run it. The Eagles can run it. Jalen Hurts showed you he's prone to the turnover. Can the Jets take advantage of a quarterback who maybe is losing a little bit of his mojo, losing a little bit of his confidence? That's not going to be the storyline, though, going into Sunday. The storyline is going to be, can Zach Wilson be much better than what he was coming off the injury against a mediocre to a bad Houston Texan defense? I need to see more confidence. I need to see more rhythm. I need to see more precision across the board here from Zach. As this season goes along, right now, you're not exactly euphoric about where you stand with your rookie quarterback. I think a lot of teams are going to say that about their rookie quarterbacks this year, with the exception of Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. For a variety of different reasons, circumstances, what have you. Maybe Sunday could be a coming out party for Zach. Go compete. Don't expect to win this game. Go be in the game. You're six and a half point underdog. Make this a fun watch on Sunday. When I'm coming back from, uh, what is it, Hard Rock Stadium, and I'm dialed in, DVR on the Jets on my phone, watching the four o'clock games, make it worth my while. Be in this game. Speaking of a game that was 
insane again for the second straight night or at least the second straight time we've watched the New York Knickerbockers. What a tease. It went from ass-whooping, because that's what it was in the first half. Then all of a sudden, they get after it on defense. Quickly is making plays. Randall is making plays. The Garden is coming alive. The Knicks turn what was a 20-plus deficit into a small lead within the fourth quarter. And you had a back-and-forth affair with the Bulls. Caruso was a pain in the neck. He made so many big plays. Ravine was impossible to guard at the end of this game. But it kind of speaks to the fact that the Knicks, without R.J. Barrett, don't have that sort of elite on-the-ball defender who can go and slow down guys. I mean, how many big shots did Levine and did DeMar DeRozan get just by getting in the paint, going after Fournier? Nick defense clearly has not been as good as it was last year. And it's lacking when Barrett's not on the floor. That's obvious. Second of all, Randall, you look at the stat line tonight, played a terrific, terrific game. Tonight is not a bad Julius Randall game by any stretch of the imagination. Like, if you look at the box score, you're going to see Julius Randall putting up numbers. Julius Randall, 14-21 from the field, not going to complain about that. 30 points, 12 boards, 6 assists, filling up the stat sheet. But what's going to kill you, though, is at the end of this game, he missed two critical free throws. In a four-point game, can't have that from your best player. He also committed a terrible late-game turnover. That's the sort of stuff that's the difference between winning and losing ballgames. Those little things, those little plays right there. I give the Knicks credit. They fought, they scratched, they clawed. Not good enough. So, they had 22 games through this NBA season. The 500. Considering the start that they got off to, not great. And the Eastern Conference, look up and down the conference. The idea that it is a given for the Knicks to be in one of those six spots, not a given, folks. Not a given. You just look up and down the conference. you got teams that can play. So, Knicks need to get R.J. Barrett back. they got to figure out the best five for them at the end of these games. Burks is clearly a part of it. The more and more I watch quickly, I think he's a part of it. And start rattling off some victories. Because you know what? Over the next week, at least you got some winnable games. Even a few on the road are winnable until you get Milwaukee and then the Warriors back-to-back nights. But get a couple of those winnable ones first. So tough one for the Knicks. If they, after their big win over the Bulls, they've, they've lost two in a row to the Bulls. And right now, my Bulls-Knicks wager is not looking particularly good. Hopefully that changes in a week. It can in this chaotic Eastern Conference, but it's not looking particularly good. And finally, before we set you up for what we have going on, I'm giddy for the college football this weekend. And I don't know what was more bizarre. Michigan beating Ohio State, which I'm just not used to, and now Michigan is playing in a Big Ten title game. Alabama being a six-and-a-half-point underdog against Georgia. Or Brian Kelly trying to do a Fugazi Southern accent. When did Brian Kelly all of a sudden sound like a Southern belt? uh, Did anybody see that video today? I mean, my goodness. What an absolute fraud that guy is. 
Be that as it may. Think about the slate for Saturday. Baylor, Okie State. Okie State has to win if they want any chance of getting in the playoff. Georgia and Alabama. Georgia we know is in. Is Alabama in no matter what? Does Alabama need to keep it close? Does Alabama need to win outright? I think most people around college football believe Alabama will get in. I'd argue if they don't win this game, if Okie State's a one-loss Big 12 team, I'm taking them. I'm taking them. Can't take a two-loss Alabama team with some of the close calls they've had throughout the course of this year. But that's something to think about. Then you have Michigan taking on Iowa. Michigan off their win of the last decade. Is there potential for a little bit of a letdown? I love the way the day is set up. And then Cincinnati's got to win against Houston. A game that normally we don't pay a lot of attention to. Cincinnati's going to win an instant area. So I would say it's probably going to come down to Alabama and Oklahoma State. Notre Dame's kind of laying in the weeds potentially, but I think they need a lot in order to get into the college football playoff. But you want crazy chaos? Get a Cincinnati loss. Get a Michigan loss. And then we will be sitting here on Sunday morning basically with our hands in the air saying, I have no freaking idea what we are going to get come Sunday with the college football playoff. But I'm looking forward to being in these games on Saturday. Hey, we need something to be excited about. I mean, think about it. You went from the euphoria potentially for you Met fans of having Max Scherzer to a lockout now where, you know, the owners just come across as total stooges. What else is new? And can't find a way to get things done with their players association when most of the demands, quite frankly, are pretty attainable. I mean, it kind of tells you, yeah, don't give me the sense of both sides are at fault. I hear that. It drives me nuts. Think about the owners. Think about their pockets. Think about what they're trying to do. Pull fast ones over players, tanking teams. Joke, joke. And yet, it's the players' fault that they're getting locked out. Uh, I, don't, I don't buy that one bet. I don't buy that one bet. All right, on a much happier note, we got a loaded show. Old school, new school's coming up. We'll get you ready across the board of the NFL. We need a winning week after a one and four atrocity last week. Cats will join us with fantasy. We got you with voicemails. We're covered every which way. It's New York, New York. Where else would you rather be? A Friday football show, first week of December, and the Dolphins are playing the Giants. Yeah, I'm fired up. We're coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Okay, folks, voicemail time. You know the deal. How do you get in touch with New York, New York? Very simple. 917-382-1151. And I will be 
Florida bound. The show must go on, though. We will have a podcast Sunday, probably in the evening, right after all the games, as usual. Then we get rocking and rolling, and I will have definitely a festive feel to my Zoom backgrounds. You guys are going to have to see. Do I do them outside? Do I do them overlooking the beach? I don't know if my Wi-Fi is going to connect, but I, I, I'm, uh, I'm willing to experiment. I guess we, uh, we have a couple of days to figure out how we're going to let all of this magic come through. But um, the mood of my trip is really going to be determined by what we see on Sunday. And I don't want to hear from a Dolphins perspective. Daniel Jones and no Daniel Jones. I, I've said it for now the last couple of weeks. Get me the New York, New York sweep for my beloved Miami Dolphins. And I know that many listening right now are probably like, screw you, JJ. You turncoat, you traitor. How, how are you turning your back on your family? When it's football season, all's fair in love and war. I love you. We talk the same. We eat our pizza, our bagels. We have coffee. We walk the dog. But on Sunday, I want blood. I want blood. I want a sweep. I want the Giants on Sunday. I want to enjoy my bye week. Then the following week, I want the Jet game. And then I can enjoy a merry, merry Christmas, opening up some presents, singing War is Over, doing what I do on Christmas morning, cursing out Trey Young at high noon, and then getting all fired up for a Monday night game with the Dolphins and the Saints that would have juice and significance after a 1-7 season. Could you imagine that for a second? I would be excited for a game after Christmas in this hypothetical world that we live in. If the Dolphins can pull off the New York, New York sweep, it starts Sunday. I don't care if it's Glennon. I don't care if it's Jones. I don't care who it is. Win the damn game. Survive and advance. That's all I need. Survive and advance. All right, voicemail time. Sorry, folks. I love you all. Disclaimer. Who do we got? What's up, JJ? Tom from Jersey. So we got our beloved Dolphins with back-to-back Giant Jet and a uh, bye week in between. So, two wins to get to 7-7. Seven and seven. Daniel Jones most likely not playing. Um, I don't think it makes that big of a difference, but it doesn't hurt. So, it's uh, playing television at this point. I'm all the way back in, sitting down every Sunday, game time, ready to go. Uh, two has looked better. Defense. You know, it's, it's back to what we were doing last year, feels like. And, uh, you know, it's, it's confusing what was really happening at the beginning of the season with this team. I mean, the losses to the Falcons and uh, Jacksonville, and, and there's, there's one more. Um, but, like, God, what, what, what I'm starting to smell 7-7. Seven and seven. Let's take care of the Giants. We'll have a week to prep for the Jets. Um, love, you know, confident there as well. Tough schedule the rest of the way. Fins up, baby. Go Dolphins. Two a time. Talk to you next week. I love our buddy who's got the Dolphin vibe and the Tri-State area swag. See, I'm not the only one. I am not the only one. Why did the Dolphin defense struggle early this year? It's a good question. It's a very, very good question. You got a lot of new pieces. Javon Holland took him time to get acclimated. Brandon Jones really asserted himself as a safety. Phillips, who they drafted in the first round, has come on and has been a beast over the last few weeks. So I, I think that's a big role. And the other thing is, 
Flores' teams, for whatever the reason, start off slow and really get going at the end of the year. That's been a trend now since he's been an NFL head coach. Yeah, we're suckered back in. I admit it. I am going to be all sorts of crazy Sunday, and I'm going to be annoyed if the Dolphins lose, full disclosure. Yeah. I guess here's the good news, though. Now that I'm thinking about it. Here is the good news to us getting suckered back in. You get suckered back in, great. If, indeed, they end up falling short now, it's like you already attended the wake and the funeral. Can you die twice? I don't know. You know, I've had this happen with some of my teams over the years. Syracuse last year, perfect example. I thought they were dead. I proclaimed that they were dead about five zillion different times throughout the regular season. They got hot at the right time. They beat Carolina. They beat Clemson. They had a good win in the ACC tournament. They lost a heartbreaker to Virginia. And they got in. Of course, what does Syracuse do? They win a couple games in the tournament. Even though I proclaimed them dead. Yankees, eh, to some degree. The problem is the Yankees ended up losing to the Red Sox in the wildcard game. That's what bothered me so much about the Yankees season last year. The fact that they got the ship turned around to some degree, got in the playoffs, only to go up to Fenway and have that happen. I'd like to have that back. Full disclosure. And I think it's 50-50 on Jones this week. I really, I don't know what to believe because the NFL Network guy's adamant. He's not playing. Pulsero, adamant. Rappaport, probably not playing. Kitchens today is like, well, we think he's going to be ready to go. He's limited in practice. Coach didn't rule him out. My answer on Friday, no freaking idea. But getting Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay going would be a nice place to start no matter who's playing quarterback. Just a little food for thought. Who's next? JJ, what's up, man? It's Will from Manhattan, longtime fan. Uh, listen, I'm going to hit you at two different angles here, uh, the Mets and the Knicks. We'll start with the Mets. How could you not start with the Mets, man? What a few days we have. So, so pumped for these new additions. I think Starling Marte is going to be a star in our outfield. I'm loving everything I hear about Eduardo Escobar, getting to learn more about Mark Canna. I haven't not known him very much, but he seems to be like a great fit, too. And then, of course, Mad Max and Jake DeGrom is going to be an insane one-two punch. Um, and, you know, the best part about it is I, I don't think we're done, you know. We, we're here. We're not done. We're definitely going to get another starter, uh, maybe some lefty bullpen help, maybe another arm or two. But I definitely think there's room for a bat in there as well. Hoping for a big fish like Chris Bryant, but we'll see what happens. Um, they don't necessarily need a big fish. I like the pieces. But I think what uh, is becoming evident is that our bench situation, I'd be curious to get your take on this, is going to become a little overcrowded pretty soon. You know, we got guys, uh, even if you pencil in McNeil at second base, uh, Rodriguez, <clears throat> or sorry, Escobar, sorry, at third base, and Cano at DH, you know, you're still left with Dom Smith, J.D. Davis, Luis Guillorme, Tomas Nito, Nick Plummer, you know, whoever else they get, uh, you know, this off season, I think it's going to become one or two too many. So I'm curious what you think, how that's going to shake out. If someone's going to get traded, who it would be. Uh, and then lastly about the Knicks, man, what happened at the end of that net team? That was brutal. The one thing I don't see anybody talking about is James Harden's blatant travel picked up the ball and just stopped. He jumped and landed on two feet and the play just went on and, and no one even reacted as if the guy didn't just blatantly travel. And I haven't seen too many people writing or tweeting about it. So, uh, I don't know, man. Definitely a, a bummer of a loss, but hopefully, 
hopefully bright things are coming up with the Knicks, especially now that Kemba's out of the rotation and it seems like things are solidified. Anyway, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, JJ. Appreciate it, Will. Um, you're right. They did miss a blatant travel. I don't think there's any question about that. Being in the building, everybody kind of like paused and was like, he did what? That was loud? But a couple opportunities the last two nights have gone against the Knicks. A game that was right there for the taking against the Nets. Couldn't get it done in crunch time. Didn't have an answer for Durant. Too much James Harden. Mitch has got to go up straight. Tough way to lose. Tonight, can't dig yourself a 25-plus point hole. You just can't. The Knicks dug themselves a hole that was basically felt like impossible to get out of. But when you get out of it, then you got to like, I always feel with these games, right? You fall behind by 20 or 25. You have to work so damn hard to get back to tying the ball game up in any sport. The idea of then getting over the hump and over the hurdle of like being able to, all right, tie the game, throw your best punch, and then withstand a counterpunch, not easy. And for the Knicks tonight, no answer for Levine, no answer for DeRozan, and Caruso was just a pest. I mean, my goodness, he's a winning player. He's a winning NBA player. And the Lakers made a mistake letting him go. Like, he's one of those guys, you look at him and you're like, he's not super athletic. <laughs> he's not super talented. But the guy's a pest. And I say that in a complimentary way. He was an irritant in bothering the Knicks basically the entire basketball game. As far as the Mets, I'm not saying any tears about the fact that they did not resign Marcus Stroman and Javi Baez. Listen, the minute you go and give Max Scherzer $42 million a year, that's basically all you need to know about Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman is a fine big league pitcher. He is a solid, I'd say he's a really good three. I'd say he's a solid number two. Stroman thinks he's one of the five best pitchers in all of baseball. Let's call it what it is. And the, the nonsense on social media is just so tough to digest. So if the Mets go in a different direction there and now they let him go to the Chicago Cubs, more power to him. Marcus can have a blast. Uh, he'll be a big topic of conversation on the full go. Thankfully, uh, we will not be spending too much time these days talking about Marcus Stroman, who, by the way, like blocks every media member known to man. I probably have been blocked like 10 zillion times because I made the argument that the Mets would have been better suited signing Zach Wheeler instead of Marcus Stroman. Oh, by the way, I was right about that one. So I'm not shedding any tears about Stroman being gone. And Bias is a talented dude. Bias was playing for a contract last year. I was not going above and beyond for Javier Baez, especially with the idea that they brought Escobar in. And now you want to go the extra mile. Whenever this lockout ends, go get Chris Bryant. And then you have the ability to either play him in one of the corner spots or you can play him at third base. But the Met lineup is going to look a lot better. Marte, Escobar, Connor. It's going to look a lot better. And it helps when you got Scherzer and DeGrom as a one-two punch. All right, last but not least, who's up? Uh, JJ, it's Anthony and Syosset. Listen, you know that I like to call you from time to time about uh, the Beaks. Obviously, there's really nothing to talk about from a baseball standpoint probably for a while, so I'm going to stick to the Beak. You know, I've asked you in the past. I asked you with that Tennessee-New Orleans game a few weeks ago. Um, I, 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 I believe I asked you, uh, I don't even remember at this point, if it was, oh, yeah, the, uh, the Nebraska, the Dead Man special for Milk. I'm going to ask you again if I'm a sucker here because I love Georgia six and a half, laying the six and a half. 
you know, I'd be lying if I said I watched a lot of their games this year because they were born. They're just blowing teams out every week, 35 points, 43 points, 56 points. But I have watched Alabama, and I, I, I know it's saving, and it goes against my belief in the NFL with Belichick. I never bet against Belichick, but I know it's saving, but this is not a, a traditional saving Alabama team. And I've spoken to a few guys that know college much better than me, a few guys that are actually big Alabama supporters, and they tend to agree. And all of them, not one, not all of them, have said that Georgia should win and Georgia should cover. So I ask you, because I'm giddy, is Georgia minus six and a half a play this weekend that you will be getting your beak wet with when you are in South Beach for the Dolphins versus the Giants? And can you do your listening audience a favor? Because I already know. Can you stop pretending like you don't hate the Giants? You're going down to Florida with the wife, with some friends. You're going to have a good time. Admit it. Embrace it. Be open. Just go on your podcast and say, listen, I hate the Giants. Just say it. Just come out and say it. Thank you and enjoy the weekend. Anthony and Sayasit, I'm going to take you to task, buddy. I do not hate the Giants. In fact, the Giants in the two Eli Manning, Tom Coughlin Super Bowl runs, I rooted for them in every single game. I think I bet on them in every single game. They were good to me. I had no problem with the Giants when they were winning. You know what my problem has been with the Giants over the last couple of years? And it's not specifically you. There's a quotient of Giant fans. And I don't think it's as much of the audience here at New York, New York. But when I was in my old gig, the older Giant fan who basically would think every single year the team would start 1-7 and seven, and that all of a sudden the Super Bowl parade was coming and they were going to rattle off nine straight victories. Yeah, that annoyed me. That pissed me off. Because I think those fans, unfortunately, failed to realize how special 2007 and 2011 truly were. That annoyed me. I'll tell you what else annoys me. I've seen the Dolphins and the Giants twice in person. I saw the Giants and the Dolphins in 2011 after a snowstorm. After way too many cocktails on Halloween night, Winless Dolphins took a 14-0 lead. Eli Manning brought him back. They ended up winning the game. I went down to Miami in 2015. My first ever Dolphin game in person in Miami. Monday night game, back and forth. Jarvis Landry picked up a dopey, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty with the Dolphins down, I want to say, three points. Knocked him out of field goal range. Had to punt the ball. Dolphin defense stunk, never got it back. Giants ended up winning. I'm sick of Todd losing the Giants. 18 years is way too long. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Please. Brian Flores, do it for Brooklyn. Do it for me. Do it for me. Now, because I like you, Anthony, I said, and no, I don't hate the Giants. I really don't. I, they're not my division. No ill will. Just don't think that you're living in 2011 or 2007, and we're cool. And we're cool. And admit that Dave Gettleman is coolest when it comes to running a football team. The folks that don't, I think are delusional. Those are the Giant fans I have a problem with. Fair? Now that we got that out there, now that we are being open and honest, it's not all Giant fans. It's that quotient of Giant fans, which to me is the ill-informed Giant fan. Anyway, because I like you, buddy. I love Georgia on Saturday. And the only thing that scares me with this game 
Georgia. What do I mean by that? They never win these sort of games. Never. They yucked up a big lead to Alabama in a national championship game, the two will come back here. They have choked in a variety of SEC title games over the years. I don't trust them as a program. But if Kirby Smart, with this team, cannot beat Alabama and the team they're running out there, then it's never going to happen. Mark my words when I say this. It is never going to happen. Georgia should be able to impose and dominate and just beat the living daylights out of them at the point of attack. Because that's what they've been doing to teams all year. Alabama struggled to block Auburn. They struggled to block LSU. Georgia's front takes it to a different stratosphere. I don't like how public it is. The idea that everybody's betting Georgia scares me, but the line has also moved to full points. Open at four and a half, now settled in at six and a half. I like Georgia by 10. 31-21, something along those lines. Georgia finds a way to get it done. And then the intrigue on Sunday is, do you put two loss Alabama in the playoff? Would they be taking on Michigan? Game would do a good number. It would do a good number. But is it Okie State or Notre Dame instead? All right, old school, new school time. Beningo will join us. Art will join us. Cats or Football Friday regulars. Right after this. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, folks, now it's time for Old School, New School, and we welcome in a red-hot Joe Beningo, 4-1 last week, two wins against yours truly, heads up, and now, my friend, we are dead even once again, as we are both a robust 
25 and 35 <laughs> on the year. Bro, it's like the final spot in the NFC, you know, the that, race for exactly. utility. That's us, baby. It's like the NFC East last year. I mean, you got you know, six and 10, you got a chance to win the division, you know? It's uh, unbelievable. It really is. Yes, well, it is like the last spot. You are four and one. You are red hot. I am so hot. the floor is yours. And I know you're feeling it. You're feeling it with your picks. You were feeling it on the golf course today. It was Little great bit. seeing you in the lovely territory. Oh, it was tremendous, day. Blue Hill, the, tremendous, right? Blue great Hill. Great course. The fact right. that we played golf in December is, right. is a monumental yep. miracle. Yep. You know what else would be a monumental miracle? You and I getting back to 500. So let's see if we can do that, bro. Take well, it Well, we need to start. We, we got time here. We got, six, we got 60 games left to go, right? 60? How many? Got no, 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 no. Uh, 30. 30 games left. 30 picks left in the regular season, 30 picks left. And then we got all the playoff games to pick. Then so we, we do, do have some time. We got time. All right. I'm going right. I'm going right to the jugular right away. I'm going right to your Dolphins. Oh, you're going back to the I'm well. Going back. I won with him last week. Plus, I won with him in the pool with Tommy. That was my two-point pick. It was tremendous. They kicked the tail out of the overrated Panthers. I love them this week against the G-Men, the Giants. They will kill. They will win this game just as easily as they won last week. That's my – I don't care if Daniel Jones plays. I don't care who plays, okay? It doesn't matter who's playing in this game, a quarterback, whether it's Mike Glennon, whether it's Jones. I don't care who they got back. I don't care if Barkley's healthy, Galladay's healthy, Tony's healthy. I don't care who's healthy, okay? Ingram, we can go right on down the line. Uh, the defense is okay. They've certainly saved them last. Well, let's be honest. The Eagles handed the Giants the game last. That was a here-take-it Giants, and they did. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Right down to Rieger's fumble on a one-yard line with 24 seconds left. The Dolphins are on this roll. We I told you they would be on this. I'm not surprised. They will continue to roll. Hopefully, my team in a couple of weeks will end their winning streak. But the Giants are not going to do it. You're going to have a lot of fun down there. Give me the Dolphins to beat the Giants laying the four. I love them. I love your confidence. I don't know if this is a reverse jinx on your behalf or if you are just hoping for the buildup of the Jet Dolphin game down in South Florida is a couple weeks from now and your chance to spoil the party and knock the Dolphins out of the playoffs. I'm not going to take this game. I think everything you said is fair. The Dolphins are red hot. Their yep. defense yep. is playing great. Their quarterback is gaining more and more confidence. But because I'm going to this game and I don't want to put the kibosh on it, I understand. I, I am going to stay no away kibosh. from this one. I am avoiding right. this. I'll right. probably end up betting it anyway just because I'm going – I'm going to avoid this. I'm going to my first game, and I love this one right out of the gate. I think the Rams are absolutely going to blitz the Jaguars this week. I know I had the Rams last week, and they made me look stupid taking on the Green Bay Packers. This is a brutal spot for Jacksonville. They don't score any points. They aren't exactly playing for Urban Meyer, and the Rams are the ultimate bully team. They are a front-running team every which way. They are going to get up big in this game. They're going to have Stafford throw it all over the field. They're going to look at Jacksonville as the ultimate get-right spot. It hasn't budged off 13. I don't understand how it hasn't budged off 13. This has route written all over it. I love Los Angeles late at 13 in game one. You know what? I'm with you 100% on this game, and it's a family play. So we Nice. Are there we go. Family. I am laying the big wood with everything you said. The Rams have lost three in a row. They need this game. They got to get off the snide. And what better team? Than the crummy Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence has not played well. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, he had, I mean, obviously Zach Wilson hasn't been, but Trevor hasn't played great, but he has played every week. 
And who knows? Maybe Urban Meyer's got one foot out of the door and he's on his way to Notre Dame. I mean, we never know. That could. Who knows about that? I mean, uh, you know, uh, that job is open with the stunning, stunning news that Brian Kelly went to LSU. But that's you know, for that, that's another story. I'm with you on the Rams. I, I this is a game they have to win. They will kick the tail of uh, uh, Jacksonville. Would you say 41 10? It's going to be something like that. I would agree. I'm with I like you. That's that my second game. Play. So we have a family play here with the Rams. All right. So we go from a family play to Sin City. Uh, the Vegas Raiders are coming off their best win of the year against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. And yet you look at that line with Vegas and the football team, it's only a two. That is all I need two to know. That line yeah, two and a half. stinks. Two and, a half. two and a half. My mistake. Let me make sure I have it right. Two and a half, that line stinks. That line right. absolutely stinks. The football team has found something. You look at the Heineke mm-hmm. performance. You look at the way they're running the ball. And for whatever the reason, their defense, now maybe Seattle's offense just flat out stinks, but their defense hung in there against Tom Brady, shut down Russell Wilson, has had success over the last couple of weeks. I think they're a team that's on the verge of trying to steal a playoff spot, quite frankly. Nobody was talking about the football team a month ago. They win this game. They're 500. They're right there for that final playoff spot in the NFC. I'll take the two and a half. I don't think I need it. I think they win the game outright, Joe. I love Washington. Well, I'll tell you right now with Washington, I think if right now they actually would be the last seed in the, in the playoffs in the NFC. They won it three in a row. They played well, like you mentioned. They beat Brady. They beat Wilson. You know, the, the, the Seahawks stink. I mean, let's be honest about it. But um, I think everything you're saying is right. I mean, they're really playing well. They got something going with Henneke. You know, you mentioned the defense. They run the ball well. Antonio Gibson, I guess McKissick, got banged up in this game uh, against Seattle. Uh, I don't disagree. I, I, I'm not going with this game. But and, and the other thing about the, the Raiders, you never know what you get from them. I mean, they're, they're the ultimate fraud team to me. You never know what you get from them. So game number three, I am. I love the Indianapolis Colts in Houston against the Texans. They come off a very, very – it's nine and a half. It's a big number. They come off a very tough loss to uh, Tampa, a game they could have easily won. Tampa kind of stole a game here late against them last week. Uh, a couple bad turnovers by the, by the uh, Colts in this game. But the Colts the Colts are playing well. You know, Frank Reich, even though I, I don't love Wentz, but Frank Reich always gets his team play. They always get off to a bad start, and then they start to make their run. They're 6-6. Six and six. They're only two games behind, you, uh, behind the uh, Titans right now. There's still a lot of football to be played. Houston stinks. I mean, we saw them last week against the Jets. You know, they're out now, Tara. There's no other way to say it. You know, Tyrod Taylor is, I mean, there's nothing. Tyrod Taylor is not really any good. If he can't beat the Jets, which he always did with Buffalo, you know how bad he is right now. Uh, I, I just, I, to me, this is a, this is a gimme. Indy's going to win this game big. Jonathan Taylor is going to run all over him. Uh, you know, Hilton is back. Give me the Colts to win this game easily by, say, at least by two touchdowns. Indy laying the nine and a half in Houston. I got no issue with the Colts. I think they'll be teased and parlayed every which way, and they should be. The Texans stink. Yep. The idea that I actually liked the Texans last week had everything to do with the Spiro Ditas factor. Yes. That's basically the only two reason nine. why I Spiro like now, the game. Spiro now 2-9. and nine. By the <laughs> way, is Spiro now getting a Christmas card from the Beningos? No, clearly no, not. No, he has not made it to the Christmas card. <laughs> By the way, I heard, I, I hear Andrew Catalan. Catalan and Lofton will be doing Jets. Doing the Jet game this Sunday. week. I right, like okay. that. Good team. Yeah, very, very they're good They're not bad. They're not bad. They did do the they did do the Patriot fifty four point wipeout. Yeah, but, but it doesn't matter who the announcers are when you play the Patriots. You I know that's not in right now. The that's announcers have nothing to do with that one. That's true. You know that. 
That's true. That's all Belichick. All right, game three. I think this is going to surprise you because I actually can't believe I'm taking this team myself. I like the Atlanta Falcons to cover wow. 10 and a half Whoa. at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really? It is a, I'm going to tell you why. It is a and coming off a game. win? Coming yes, off a win? Tampa coming off a very close game against the Indianapolis Colts. Right. They got a monster game coming up the following week against the Buffalo Bills. This is your classic sandwich spot. This game doesn't mean a ton to Tampa Bay. It means everything to Atlanta. And I'm not saying that Atlanta's going to win this game because they'll probably do something stupid late in the game, screw it up, late Mm -hmm. Matt Ryan interception, what have you. But the fact that I can get 10 and a hook in a division game, I'm going to snag it with a team that's got something to play for here. I think this line tells you all you need to know. Tampa is going to be a very popular pick in teasers and parlays this week. I'm going to go contrarian. I'm going to go the other way. And Joe, I want you to promise to the audience that if I lose with the Falcons, I will not take them again the rest of the season. Okay? You're playing. You know you're playing with fire with Atlanta. I mean, one last. I'm also playing with ten and a half points though, which is nice. Somehow they're five and six now, and but you look at who they beat. I mean, they beat the crummy Jaguars last week. They beat my team. They beat the Giants. They beat my they, team. They, right on a, on a field goal, last second field goal. They did beat the Saints. I mean, you know, I don't know what New Orleans is right now. Though tonight, both Taysom Hill and uh, and Kamara back the way I uh, what I hear tonight. Hill is back. Kamara, I think, is out. Kamara, Kamara is still out. out. Yes, correct. is he against Dallas yeah. tonight? Yes, okay. correct. But but anyway, be that as it may, you, you don't never ever know what you're getting with Atlanta. But I, I could see with the 11, you know, you're getting 11, that's a big number. It is at home, uh, but it is a dangerous, dangerous pick. Very dangerous. But we like to live dangerously, my friend. We like to live dangerously. All I, right, game I, four. Game, game four for me, I like the Chiefs at home, laying nine and a half against Denver. I think the Chiefs are on a roll now. I think they're starting to find a way. They've won four in a row. They haven't always been pretty. You know, they're not exactly, you know, lighting up the scoreboard every week, but they're finding ways to win. Their defense has played better. Chris Jones is back. He's had some big games for them. He had a big game uh, against Dallas a couple weeks ago. Looked tremendous. No doubt about it. Three and a half sacks, whatever he had in that game. Uh, the whole deal, fumble recovery. I think the Chiefs are on their way to at least the AFC Championship game, and they're going to win the division. Denver, look, they got a nice home win last week against the Chargers. I, I just I just think the Chiefs, they're coming off their bye. They're ready to really take control of this division. I think the Chiefs win this game. It, it's a little bit of a dangerous uh, spread here. Nine and a half is a little bit, a little high. Like I said, the Chiefs haven't exactly been killing people. They've been finding a way, but they are home. You still got Mahomes. You still got Tyreek. You still got Kelsey. Give me Kansas City laying the nine and a half against the Broncos at home. My friend, we have our second family play of the week. Because wow. I love... I love Kansas City in this spot. Wow. Andy Reid is money when he comes off the bye. That's number yeah, one. That is true. Right. Money off the bye. I got Denver coming off this great win they had yep. against the yep. fraudulent Los Angeles Chargers. Fraudulent. Now fraudulent. I got to put Denver in a situation where they got to go up and down the field. They got to keep up with Kansas City. Kansas City's defense, everything you said is accurate. They have come on over the last couple of weeks. And I think this will be a coming out party for the Chiefs. I really do. I think there's regression for the Broncos. I think it's a big effort from Kansas City. And I'm seeing 70% of the bet tickets 
are coming in on the Broncos, which really? is stunning because I think it'd be the other stunning. way around. That, that is stunning. You figure a lot of people like you and I would be on Kansas City. I think Kansas City's the right side here. I think they went by two scores. Yeah, no, I love the Chiefs here in this game. That's funny. Last week we went head to head in two. This week we're family playing in two. Very interesting how that uh, plays out sometimes. Hey, right. sometimes the family play is an opportunity. Other that weeks, the head to head is an opportunity right. to make up right. ground like you just did. I made up like made up like two games last week, for goodness right. sakes. Right, right, right. So the most we either one of us now can pick up ground on this coming week is three games. That's it. Because we're locked in two going either way. Which so will guarantee the standings unless one of us sweeps the board and goes 3-0. We'll remain right. tight. Which is very good. tight. Yes. Very tight. Very tight. All right. My last pick. You know where I'm going here. This is my lock of the week. I lo- it's only two and a half. It, I've, it was, I've seen it at three. Monday night, the Pats. I love them. Love them at Buffalo. Love them. I think that the Pats are on their way. I'm telling you, certainly the AFC title game, probably the Super Bowl. I think right now they're the best team in the AFC. They might be the best team in the league. With all due respect to the Green Bay Packers, who I think might, you know, who I kind of look at as that right now. Green Bay, Tampa, you want to give me them. Whoever you want to forget that Cardinals, I still don't buy. I'm not buying the Cardinals, even though they're 9-2, and two, the best record in the league, are going to the Super Bowl. I'm not buying it. The, the, the Pats are rolling. This is 2001 all over again. Bill's got it going. And once Bill got it going with Brady, they didn't lose again. And I'm they're kind of on this run right now. You know, Bill, this is the Bill. You, you know, Brady had his fun last year. Now I'm going to show you why I'm the greatest coach of all time. His team has won six in a row. They're rolling. Their defense, they got the best secondary in football. J.C. Jackson's good for at least, at least two picks of Josh Allen in this game. They will get a couple. Uh, what's his name? The other guy, Dugger, figure he picks one off too. Uh, bro, look out. Bill is ready. He is. They're in first place now. They are ready to cement that first place standing in the AFC East. I'm telling you, don't be shocked. If New England does not lose another game in the regular season, give me the Pats. Getting two and a half in Buffalo. The Bills fans, the bully Bills fans, okay, have no love for these teams, but the bully Bill fans are going to get a big comeuppance this week at the hands of the master. You know, before <laughs> I saw a weather forecast, <laughs> I fully expect it to be heads up. With right, the weather's supposed game. to be bad. Right? That is a big problem for Buffalo. Yep, you would think yep. a team that plays in Western New York would right. be suited well to running the football and playing defense. Well, they could do the defense part. They can't run the football to save their lives. And if I'm getting 40-mile-an-hour gusts and I'm getting wind, that plays right into the hands of the New England Patriots. Yep. So from that standpoint, I am staying away from that game. What I am going to do, though, Okay. I'm going back to the well one last time. I can't believe I'm doing this because they made me look like a bunch of they Mm-mm. made me look like an absolute idiot last week. I'm taking the Steelers plus four and a half against the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. Because to me, well, that's a- their season Woo! is on the line. Woo! They're getting four and a half Boy, they look at home. Bad. They, you know what? They looked disinterested last week against Cincinnati. They were horrendous. That's the, the quarterback first time looked I've like seen- he was a thousand years old. Yep, yep, he looked yep. completely shot. Yep, the yep. defense looked awful. But Awful. if they, Joe, if they cannot get up for this game 
at home yeah. after no, what yeah, happened good... last week yep. against I, I, the Baltimore team that, let's be fair, is not exactly no. blitzing the you-know-what out of teams. They're barely getting by. They barely got by Cleveland. Well, I mean, they Jackson turned it over, what, four picks that. last week against Cleveland? He threw four picks against Cleveland. It was last. awful. It was Lamar. absolutely awful. So in these rivalry games historically, Ravens and Steelers, it usually ends up being a field goal game. I'm going to hope that trend continues. Mm-hmm. I know everybody wants to bet the Ravens. That's fine. I'll go the other way. Another contrarian pick, Steelers plus wow. the four and a half. All right. Beautiful. Now, before you say goodbye, we got to know, will your franchise do something that they have not done in the history of beat the, the Philadelphia Eagles? Will they beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday? Well, I tell you, I feel a lot better about this game if Mike White was playing, then I feel about with Zach Wilson playing. So I'm not at, exactly in love with what you saw from Wilson in his return. Can't nah, he was terrible. No, no, he no, was no, brutal. No, no, he stunk. The word stink comes to mind. There you go. They won the game last week because they were able to, first of all, they played a terrible team in Houston, but they were able to run the ball. They ran the ball well. The defense played well after giving up those first couple of drives. They played really well, probably their best game of the year. And they got two monster penalties that went their way, a roughing the passer, that set up their first touchdown, and then that uh, leverage on the field goal that they took off the board that set up the second touchdown that Zach Wilson ran it in. So I, they won in spite of the quarterback. Look, I prob- I was thinking about taking the six and a half. I'm concerned. The Eagles lost last week, so I'm a little. You know that kind of you know bothers me a little bit too. Like I said, they handed that game to the Giants. They're right back in their in their same place now. They're back in their you know in the same place they were last week. I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not confident. I'll say that. I would say I am not confident. So not exactly an endorsement on the Jets plus six no. and a half this week. No, I can't say that. No. Not I, but I but I did I will say this, and I did say this to you what we talked about it off the air. They have six games left. They got two games they absolutely can't win, and that's Tampa Bay at home and Buffalo. And at Buffalo. Right. Not winning either one of those games. The other four games, they got Philly, they got your I think the only road game of the of the four is you you're in Miami. They play um they play New Orleans at home, Philly at home, and the Jaguars at home. I think they'll win two more. I think they, I think they'll they'll win two of those four. I don't know what two they'll win. So you will sign for two more wins. I'm You'd not signing. Okay I want. I want. Look, I want them to run the table. In a, of course not. In a realistic world, I see them with two more wins. I say five and twelve. Five and twelve, and that will not hurt them from picking the the Jets. The good news is the Jets will have two of the top 10 picks in the NFL draft next year. Aren't you I'm, glad to see Jamal Adams oh after his wonderful trade demand oh end up God. on a 3-7 and seven now team? Let me, now, I have to ask you. Oh, I love it. I hope he's counting his money. The guy can't cover you and me out. You know, all he can do is rush the pay. All he can do is blitz. Now, now I want to throw this question at If you're the Giants, who also have two number one picks, I believe they got the Bears' first-round pick as yes, well. Yes, they do. Now, do you give up two? Because I think Russell Wilson's out of it. He's done. This, this franchise is... Is in is going right downhill now, like the city of Seattle is. That they're going down just like the city. So let me ask you. So I see Wilson getting out of town, and do you see the Giants two first rounders for Wilson? You see that? Would you do it? Would I do it? Thousand percent, yes. Will they do it? I think it depends on who the GM is. I think if it's a new GM, it's far more likely. Yeah, I I, I think if it's status quo within the regime, no, Gettleman. No, but if they're gonna get Gettleman's you know, number two, and they're going to stick to the giant way, 
they may have more invested in keeping Daniel Jones around. I yeah, would but, make that move yeah, in but, a heartbeat if I'm yeah, the Yeah, but Giants. you know what? Heartbeat. Yeah, I think I think John Maris got a lot of say in what goes on here. Okay, I don't care. Even though maybe, and I don't know if that's it. necessarily a good thing, quite frankly. Well, but I'll say that the Giants have a history of bringing in veteran quarterbacks who have been very good somewhere else. I mean, they, going all the way back to Y.A. Tittle back in, you know, when I started watching football, they got him from the 49ers. Kerry Fran Collins. Talk, well, Fran Tarkenton before that. You know, even when they got Norm Steed, when they traded Tarkenton. Right, Kerry Collins, 100% right. You know, even Craig Morton before that, when they got him from Dallas. The Giants have always brought in. They've been, they've been a franchise that's not afraid to take a shot at that veteran quarterback who still has some good years left in him. From somebody else, I would not be shocked to see them. They should go after Russell Wilson. I think the Giants will blow it up at the end of the year. The great Joe Beningo. By the I way, before I let you go, next week I'll be a Montana. Just so you quick, know. Quick, real quick, the college games, real quick. Michigan, Iowa, give Iowa a shot. Yes, they do. Because I think it has a letdown spot written yes. all over it yes. for all over it for the Michigan Wolverines. Yes, I give Iowa a shot. Georgia. Georgia beats Alabama. I think they smoke them. Yeah, and Alabama still gets into. You think they if they if Georgia wins, either whether they smoke them or not, does Georgia does Alabama still make the Final Four with two losses? They shouldn't. I think if the game is within fourteen points, Alabama will be in. Yeah, that's what you think. That's okay. my gut feel. And they Georgia makes be. it no matter they what. They shouldn't Georgia, be. Georgia's in. in no matter what. If Even Georgia if loses, does not matter. Georgia is playing in the college football playoff. Right. Guaranteed. Agreed. Agreed. Guaranteed. But to me, if Oklahoma State does what they're supposed to do against, against Baylor, Baylor, which, by the way, will not be easy. I actually like Baylor in the right. game to cover. I right. think it's going right. to be a rock fight. I think it's going to be super, super close. If Oklahoma State wins that game, they're a one-loss Big 12 team. When Alabama barely beat LSU, when Alabama barely beat Auburn with a backup quarterback. Oh, my God. Auburn they, handed they him that. No, wait a minute. Florida. Auburn handed him that game. Oh, well, listen. The running back going out of bounds was a killer. And then not going for two after the first set of touchdowns in overtime. You're a 20-point yeah, underdog. They should have won. Don't well, extend that, the game. 100%. Let win it come down to one play right yeah. then and there. Win the game there. And not only that, but after the guy doesn't go out of bounds in regulation, Third and one. How about throwing a pass there to try to end the game there? How about that? Especially when you have not run it all, all damn game. You have not you run it all. You the ball up the middle for a three-yard. What the hell was everybody knew you were doing there? That was, that was terrible coaching there. Uh, very poorly done. And the uh, only other yeah. team you got to watch is Cincinnati and whether or not Cincinnati wins. Because if, if they Cincinnati win, wins, they they're be also in. in. If Cincinnati beats Houston, they got to be in. They're in, 100%. They got to be in. So, so the only thing – so, okay – so you think there's a shot of Oklahoma State? Do you give Notre Dame any shot of getting in this? I do not. I think too much needs to happen for them to get in. And you throw in the fact that Brian Kelly at the 11th right. hour basically right. showed you how loyal does, a guy he is and bolted, got the money, can't blame him. But you, here's the problem with that. We all know you're going to go where the money takes you. You can't be proclaiming this idea that I never leave Notre Dame. It's my dream job, ba ba ba, And then basically walk out, you know, the minute you got $100 million coming your way. Can't yeah. do that. Yeah, Can't do ridiculous. that. By the Can't way, expect they, to be a man of integrity when you have that sort of statement. Just by so. the way, the, the college football playoff needs to expand to eight teams. What they have to do, and what here's what you got to do. Five conference, the five power conferences, the winners of the five power conferences are in. 
I don't care if you, it doesn't matter. You win the five power conference, uh, you're in. Whether you are, are an eight and four team that beats a team that, you know, is better than you. Or 11 matter. and 0. I agree uh, with It you. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're in. And then you got three wild card spots for the other three teams. Wait, That's you it. can reward a second team in the right. SEC. Right. Or, or reward Big Ten. a Cincinnati. Right. If Correct. they go undefeated and they deserve to get in. Yes. in the A team is a no-brainer. It's a question of when, not if it's going to come. Right. I don't even like the idea of 12. I've heard 12 floated out. No, I don't That's like too 12. Many. Eight teams. Eight is perfect. I'm with you there. And Power if you five, win, three wild right. cards. Boom. If you win your league, you're in. That's it. I'm sorry. If you win your power league, you're in the you're in the playoff. And then you got three wild card teams. You you know you could have three teams from one conference, and I don't care. But if you win that, so like because I you don't give Iowa has no shot if they beat Michigan, even though they're eleven and two, right? I can't see it. No. I can't see it because no. they will not be able to jump the other teams that they need to jump. You know what right. I mean? Like right. Right. they got to jump Oklahoma State. They would have to jump Alabama, yeah. who still could get in with a second loss. Be very aware of that. No, Alabama of course so. No, 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 of course. Of course. Of course. The great Joe Beningo. Right, I bro, will hey, see you next week. Florida, Thank you. Hopefully your, your juju with the Dolphins yes. will continue for another week. Yes. Enjoy the win. Enjoy the win down here, bro. Oh, don't. Enjoy the golf and enjoy the golf. And, and when you go to, if you're at the row and my buddy's there, say hello to him, okay? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> the great, the great Joe Benigo. Enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you next bro, week, okay? All the love. All of it, bro. All see of you. It. See you, Joe. We go from the great Joe Benigo to my pal out in the desert over at Superbook, the Westgate, our Vegas extraordinaire. The great Arthur Caesar joins us each and every football Friday. What's up, buddy? I hope you don't like my picks this week. <laughs> JJ, it's a pleasure to be here. I hope you had a really nice holiday. And uh, unfortunately, my friend, I love your picks. I actually like Joe's picks, too, because I saw them posted on Twitter. I think you both have nice cards this week. And uh, I really like your picks. I'm just going to say that. Wow. So I'm already <laughs> getting the uh, kiss of death before we even get into our conversation. Um, I want to start here, though, Art. Before we get into a couple of these individual games, is the sucker bet of the week the Vegas Raiders laying whatever they're laying against the football team? I think that line absolutely stinks this week, dude. Stinks. I think it's one that you definitely can keep your eye on, but I'll tell you what. I think, for me, when I look at the sucker bet of the week, it's the 49ers. The 49ers going on the road to Seattle. That line is sitting three and a half right now. Look ahead line with Seattle minus one and a half. I know Seattle's been bad. I get it. They have been terrible. That's a five-point swing. Niners have no Debo. They don't play well as a favorite. I just think that line is tough. If you're going to lay three and a half with the Niners on the road, that's the game I look as the sucker bet of the week. Giants and Dolphins. Line was at three basically on Monday. Then you get the report about Jones not playing from the NFL Network. I saw it get to five. Then it was kind of uncertain from the coaching staff, and I saw it fall back down to four. If we find out Jones plays Sunday, does this line go back down to three, number one? Number two, if it's Glennon, where do we think the line closes? It's a great question. You know, when there was so much uncertainty, we actually were taking some pretty sharp money on the Giants. People were feeling good, even with the quarterback in flux, not knowing, getting over a field goal with the Giants. I can't get there. I think if Jones 
plays, I, I think will probably stay there or get a little bit lower. Maybe, you know, it's at four, maybe go to three and a half. I think if Glennon is the starter, I think it will shoot up. I really do. I, I don't know how you can back Glennon. The Dolphins have played so well. The defense is going to give Jones a really hard time. They'll give Glennon a hard time too. So I think the line could shoot up to, you know, five, five and a half, if, that, if that's the case. All right. So you like Joe's picks. You love my picks. So out of the Beningo five, if there is an issue or a problem, what would it be out of Miami laying four and a half, Rams, which is a family play at 13, Chiefs, a family play at nine and a half, Colts at nine and a half, and then the Pats at two and a half. You have any issues with those? The only two I looked at on his card that I just had issues with, one, because you have it as well, the Chiefs is interesting to me. I don't know if I'm ready to anoint the Chiefs back. I understand the Chiefs have played well, but Denver has not been bad. They're six and five. Bridgewater is a very good underdog quarterback. I just think this might be too many points. Now, I could get burned here saying that, and the Chiefs go out and win 42-17, and they're really back. I'm just not ready yet for that. So I think laying the nine and a half of them is too much. And I don't like his New England pick. I, everyone's on New England. New England is a public dog, square dog this week. I hate week. that. I yeah, hate it. it. But you know what scares me, Art? I was going to include Buffalo, full disclosure, is one of my picks. Hearing about 30 mile an hour wing us, yeah. I can do it, bro. Because it, that is something that would hurt Buffalo dramatically, in my estimation, going into this game. They want to throw the ball. They want Allen doing his thing. New England, if this is going to be a crazy, windy type of day, they could run the ball 40, 50 times. I don't know if Buffalo can. They could. You're right. Buffalo can't run the ball. They're actually terrible on the ground. They do nothing with their running game. I just, you know, we've done this long enough to know when everyone's pounding one team, you could be safe on the other side most of the times. I just, New England, yes, they're, they're back. They're 8-4. and four. They're playing well. If you look at their wins, though, their wins aren't great. I know you have to play who's in front of you. Jones hasn't been terribly good on the road. So to me, if I'm getting Buffalo under a field goal, and we're dealing Buffalo minus three because that's just the number we have. There's a lot of two and a halfs out there right now. But if you're getting under the field goal, I like Buffalo on the spot. So that those two I'm not in love with in Joe's picks. The other three I like. What pick is crazier in your estimation from me? Atlanta getting the 11 and a half. The Steelers, after we saw them get demolished by the Bengals, going back to that well and grabbing four and a half. What is the crazier wager then, my friend? It's interesting because, like I said, I like your picks. I like the Steeler pick. I think Pittsburgh has been a great dog. I saw a stat where, like, in their last 22 or 23 games, they've, as an underdog, they've covered the spread 16 times. This year as a dog, they're four and two. Obviously, last week they got murdered. That just happens. Ravens haven't been good. They haven't been a good favorite this year. So you're getting the Steelers four, four and a half at home. I like the Steelers at home. And the one thing I'll say about Atlanta, Atlanta's probably the crazier one, but here's the thing with Tampa. Tampa has not been good on the road. All their losses are on the road. And when they played earlier this year, that game was 28-25 going to the fourth quarter. And then Matt Ryan started throwing pick sixes. So getting the 11. Seven and a half at home is not terrible. I would say Atlanta's probably more risky, but I like the Pittsburgh pick, and I think 11 and a half is too many points. All right, now it's time, my friend. You delivered a winning teaser last week. What do we have in store for this week? 
Well, you know, I got to go back to the tease as always. We know that I'm sitting at five and seven, but five and five with the teasers. I, my teasers have a theme towards you. I'm taking Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's four and, four and a half. I'm making them ten and a half. That's too many points in this type of slugfest divisional game where I think Pittsburgh can actually bounce back and win the game. Give me Pittsburgh plus ten and a half. And I'm with you. I, I like Washington. Washington, you know, there was a lot of early money on Vegas, which we always see. And then the sharp players started buying Washington back. We have Washington minus one, you know, plus the one and a half. So give me Washington plus seven and a half. So two teams, six point teaser, Steelers plus ten and a half. Washington plus seven and a half. Wow. Family plays indeed. Riding two of the games I like this week and teasing both of the underdogs up. Okay, buddy. It is a monster Saturday. I got to start with the biggest game of the week. That's Alabama and Georgia. The line went from four and a half to six and a half. I know it's Alabama. I know it's Nick Saban. I know Georgia never wins these sort of games. But Art... Everything I've seen so far this year leads me to believe Georgia's going to win this game by two scores. I don't disagree. And as you said, we talked about this last week. We had the look-ahead line. We had Bama, or sorry, Georgia minus four. Quickly as that game is going on in Jordan-Hare Stadium against Auburn, people started betting Georgia. So it got to six. We have it at six and a half right now. Obviously, Bama, we know what they are. In like 95 straight games, they've been a favorite. Two-to-one ticket count for us on Georgia. We're going to be in the weird position where we actually need Alabama. Normally, we do not need Alabama. The real sharp play this week, though, has been on the under. Total was 50-and-a-half. It's now 49-and-a-half. Obviously, we know how good Georgia's defense is. Georgia's offense sometimes can be a little bit suspect. I think they'll feel each other out early. I could see the under coming out on the game, but I'm with you. This is the year, man. This is not a vintage Alabama team, so Georgia should take care of business. It's a big spot for them. You think the play, if you like Alabama, is to take them on the money line? I don't hate it. I really don't. I think if you believe in what Alabama does, why not take it? And and I'll say this, and even though I did it last week, you normally don't want to tease college football games, but – I mean, you know, you tease Alabama and you get them close to two touchdowns. I I don't really hate that at all either. So I could see Bama being very popular on the money line and probably in some teasers as well. The other championship games. I love the fact that public is all over Oklahoma State. This line's gone from six and a half to five and a half. I think Baylor is very, very live in this game in high noon art. Very, very live. I totally agree. I can't disagree at all. They played earlier in the year. It was 24-14, so a 10-point game. Baylor has been an under-the-radar sharp team. When they played Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago, all the money was on Baylor against that kind of overrated Oklahoma team. Baylor took care of business. Oklahoma State clearly still has a lot to play for. You know, things bounce their way. They can be in the playoff. I'm with you. I think Baylor, that's why you saw money come in at 6.5. Even at 5.5, it's probably still good. And like you just said with Alabama, why not even sprinkle a little bit on that Baylor money line? We have Cincinnati and Michigan, both double-digit favorites. Who's the more live underdog, Houston or Iowa? Ooh, interesting. I would say I don't like either, but I would say Houston. Houston is 11-1. and one. They lost week one. They've won 11 straight games. Houston is really good. We know Cincinnati's good. They're undefeated. They're sitting right there. Everything's in front of them. They win. They should be in. But Cincinnati has had a real problem covering these games. 
It's been nothing but Houston money. It was 11. Now it's 10. I wonder if by kickoff it even gets under, maybe to nine and a half. I was just so limited offensively. They do nothing offensively. I know 11's a lot, especially when a total is 43 and a half. Michigan's been phenomenal, 10 and two against the spread. I think Michigan figured it out. They can't have a letdown here because if they lose this week, what they did against Ohio State last week doesn't matter to me. So I think Michigan will take care of business. I think Houston with the points is pretty live. See, I'm worried about Michigan in this spot, Art. I'm worried about them. And I, I don't think they're going to lose the game. Yeah, dude. The yeah. idea of winning that Ohio State game the way that they did, rivalry game, the party afterwards. Yep. I know you're playing for the playoff. I know you're playing for a Big Ten title. But I could see that being like a real slobber knocker between them and Iowa. I could see that being an it, ugly 20 to 14, 17 to 13, ugly ass type game, dude. It could happen. And you know, the old adage is, JJ, when you play in a game, especially from a gambling aspect, and you see a total that low, you usually just take the points and run because 43 and a half is telling you it's going to be a standard Big Ten game. I'll tell you this if, if it was Wisconsin, Instead of Iowa, which it could have been, but Wisconsin blew it last week on the road at Minnesota, I would have felt a little bit better. I just, Iowa does nothing offensively. They literally can't score 10 points. So I, I just don't know how that, I could see it being close in the first half. I think Michigan imposes their will in the second half. Are we uh, investing in the Oregon Ducks? Will we be quacking tomorrow uh, during the Pac 12 title game? I know I will be quacking. And the amazing thing is, Art. One of my best bets of the college football season was Utah. Was Utah, yep. First time around, and I'm spitting them. I'm going against them here. I like Oregon in this spot. I think it's a great revenge spot for Oregon. It totally is a great revenge spot. I remember when we talked about that, I was with you. I liked Utah as well. I liked the money line parlay with something else, even with the points. You know, it's been a lot of Oregon money, so that would scare you a little bit. We opened it three. It's two and a half now. Obviously, when they played weeks ago, 38-7, you kind of have to throw that out. Oregon got punched in the mouth early in that game, never recovered. I, you know, what do the teams really have to play for? Maybe Oregon just feels, hey, this is a revenge spot. Now, let's say this. If you're getting the two and a half, are you on the side where let's let me take the money lines? I don't like doing that, personally. Okay. You know, like I think in an Alabama situation, I'm getting it at plus 200. I'll snag the 200. I just okay. get the sense this can end up being a really tight game. Like, let me put it this way. I could see Oregon losing by one or two. I do not think Alabama will lose a close game. I think Alabama will either win the game or lose by 10-plus points. I could see that. All right, I could see that. Yeah, well, I'll say this. I know you don't like to hear this, but you're definitely with the public on Oregon. A lot of Oregon well, money listen, so far. Every now and again, Oregon. The public's <laughs> got to win a bet, right? Every that, now and again, they got to win a bet. So That is well. true. And they won a couple last week. Let's be fair. They did. Yes. And did you have a more chaotic end to a primetime game than what you had with that Raven game last week? Oh, my goodness. Dude. Oh, my God. Oh, well, I'll boy. say this. Even, even if you look at all the games this week, you know, there are five road favorites with basically a, a touchdown or more in the spread. So, you know, for us, we're going to need one of those big underdogs to probably win a game to knock out all the money lines and knock out all the things that need to happen. So we'll really be looking at all those big home dogs getting all those points and need one of them to come out for us. Hopefully that will be the Atlanta Falcons. All right, my main man, we'll <laughs> chat next week. Let's hit that teaser because we're both invested, baby. I love it, brother. We will talk next week. 
We go from Art to Caesar to a guy who needs a winning way and winning week in the absolute worst way. My main man, Jeff Money. Take it away. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This is going to be for week 13, the five contest plays. All right, as far as last week with disaster, I was 0 and 5. I'm 26, 33, and 1 on the year. As far as our family plays, we were 0 and 2 when we picked both for the contest, and we we're 3 and 7 on the year. We got to get it back. All right, here we go. My five plays. My money play this week, you're going to love it. My home, I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins, minus the four and a half over the Giants. Game number two, I'm taking a road team. I'm taking the Eagles, minus the seven over the Jets. I'm taking another road team. I'm going to take the Colts, minus the nine and a half over the Texans. Game number four, I'm going to take another road team. I'm going to take the 49ers, minus the three and a half over the Hawks. And my final game, I'm going to take on Monday night, another road team. I'm going to take the New England Patriots plus the two and a half over the Bills. Again, my five plays, I'm going to take the Dolphins minus the four and a half, the Eagles minus the seven, the Colts minus the nine and a half, the 49ers minus the three and a half, and finally, on Monday night, the New England Patriots plus the two and a half. And everyone can always follow my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, J.J., let's see if we got family plays. I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money, good stuff. You'll be in my heart with that Dolphin play laying the four and a half. You and Joe B have a couple of family sides this weekend. Dolphins, Colts, and then the New England Patriots plus two and a half. I'm going the other way on that game. Didn't include it as one of my picks. I am going the other way, though. Like on Monday night, I'll be betting that game and I will be on the Buffalo Bills. So we shall see, my friend. We shall see. So, we close the show like we do every football Friday with our fantasy guru from the Pro Football Network, my main man, Jason Katz, who I'm sure is fired up about the fact that his Dallas Cowboys got back to winning ways. And, Kitty, I wish I listened to you on Amari Cooper. I really do, bro. I saw that tweet about 20 minutes before game time. The problem is when your options are a suspended Antonio Brown and Calvin Ridley and Marvin Jones, kind of screwed, bro. Yeah, Michael Gelkin tweeted out that Amari wasn't participating in 11-on-11s in pregame warmups. And fantasy Twitter, just everyone reacted with a panic. It's like, I'm getting Amari out of lineups. And sometimes when this happens, it's like everyone panics and reacts, and it turns out he's fine. But uh, he looked fine when he was on the field. But it's very clear that the limiting of snaps was exactly what they said. Jay Glazer before the game said he expects 20 to 25 snaps from Amari. We got 24 snaps from him. It was exactly what we expected. I think next week he'll be back to full strength, but this week I'm glad I benched him. Okay, buddy. You know I'm going down to South Florida for the Giants and the Dolphins. Daniel Jones' status is very much up in the air going into this game. If you have any of the Giants' skill position guys, are they automatic bench, bench, bench if you get word that Mike Lennon is starting? Or is it kind of a case-by-case basis type deal? I think the Giants starters are pretty much benches regardless of who plays quarterback. I mean, Daniel Jones hasn't been that much better than Mike Glennon would be. I don't really think there's much of a difference between the two. I think both of them are just backup quarterbacks. Uh, Glennon's just been a backup quarterback longer. Last week, we, we heard before the game the Giants were committed to getting Kenny Galladay involved and getting his first touchdown. They actually did try to do that. They just couldn't execute. Seven targets, three catches, 50 yards. I think you can start Galladay maybe as a wide receiver four with with some hope and a prayer. Sterling Shepard got a very limited practice in on Thursday. Maybe he plays. Kadarius Tony's out. He's not playing. No chance. 
Uh, and Darius Slayton just has no fantasy value. So I think between those guys, I, I, li- I would like Shepard the most to be played, but he's always a risk to exit early with an injury. I think you should avoid all the Giants. Um, how do we feel about Cook this week? No, sh- no chance he's going to play, or is there any glimmer of hope with Dalvin? Absolutely none. 0% chance he plays this ah, week. Ah, thanks. I look at you crushing my soul right out of the <laughs> gate. See, this is that was a fantasy question, full disclosure, that pertained a lot of information to me because I do have Dalvin Cook in a league and I need Dalvin Cook to perform and deliver. And look at you just killing my dreams immediately. Don't waste your time. No chance. Go get a replacement. You know what? I would feel bad for you, but when I've had Kyler Murray missing for five weeks, I've got J.D. McKissick hurt now, Aaron Jones on a bye, DeAndre Swift out, Darren Waller out, Calvin Ridley uh, dealing with the mental health stuff. I mean, it's it's been a rough season for all of us. Um, what are we doing with the Lions running back position now? Uh, for now, it's Jamal Williams getting 15 to 20 touches a game and getting you uh, inefficient volume-based like RB2 performance. He's, he's going to get you 60 to 80 yards, and you hope he scores. That's really what it comes down to. So basically, long story short, if you lost DeAndre Swift for the remainder of the year, you're not in a great position to get a running back who's going to duplicate the production you had. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, no way. I mean, I think there's a chance we get Swift back week 16, but if the Lions are still winless, why would they bother? What's the point? What's the point? Okay, buddy. Now it's time. Matchups of the week. I'm excited. Uh, We're getting down to nitty gritty. So we got to start a quarterback. Who is the must-play quarterback for this slate of games? The must-play quarterback is a guy that I started that I started over Taysom Hill, which was looking great for about I I don't say, know, 57 Taysom minutes. Hill threw four interceptions, so you're uh, oh, but he did get some extended garbage time. I forget about these things with fantasy. You were right about that. That does help. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I felt good about the process because Taysom Hill he looked terrible tonight, but he had rushed for 100 yards. He got 250 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, even with four picks, he had over 20 fantasy points. But the guy that I'm starting this week is Derek Carr. I'm starting him in. Two leagues, at least maybe three. Um, he leads the NFL in passing yards. That actually came as a shock to me when I saw that. On pace for over 600 passing attempts, volume not the issue. He just hasn't thrown multiple touchdowns recently. The football team allows the most fantasy points to quarterbacks. He's been playing a little bit better, but I think Derek Carr is good for a 250 and at least one or two to, uh, this week. We're in on Derek Carr. Who are we avoiding? We're avoiding Joe Burrow. This is a bad spot all around for Burrow. The Bengals just wallop the Steelers 41-10. Burrow attempted 24 passes. All they want to do is pound Joe Mixon. Chargers run funnel defense. So what are the Bengals going to do? Pound Joe Mixon. The Chargers allow the, few, the sixth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks, but the sixth most fantasy points to running backs. Burrow could always end up throwing multiple touchdowns. When you get close to the red zone, anyone could end up with the touchdown. Uh, but I think the process suggests that he is a sit this week. The cesspool that is running back, my friend. We have to give somebody is a must play. So the floor is yours. I appreciate you prefacing it with that because it's it is very- a cesspool. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I, I am not exaggerating by saying this. It is a cesspool because so many, and it's getting worse and worse and worse now, Jason, because of these split shares that you have throughout the league. It's impossible to figure out who's getting carries in some of these games. And with all the injuries, the reality is it's so difficult for me every week to give starts and sits and come up with multiple ones because the reality is any running back that's healthy and getting carries, he, you, you, you're starting him. Like, like you're just starting anyone that, that's playing. And it's hard to recommend any sits because if you have a, a warm body who's getting 8 to 10 touches, it's like, okay, well, you probably don't have a better option. But we need to put some names on here. And then the guy that I'm going to go with this week is Devonta Freeman. Last week, Freeman saw his lowest snap share since becoming the starter, 49%. Latavius Murray all the way up to 44%. 
So I think that may scare fantasy managers into thinking this is a true split, but it's not. Freeman still had 16 carries to Latavius' eight. It's still Freeman's backfield. The Steelers allowed the 13th most running, fantasy points to running backs, which is, you know, it's, it's a mediocre matchup at best, but they were just eviscerated by Joe Mixon. This week, going to be without TJ Watt. I think Freeman's going to score a touchdown this week, but I think he's a solid RB2. Well, you mentioned the idea of it being impossible to find somebody to fade at the <laughs> running back position. Well, guess what, buddy? Now it's your time to do that. Who are we avoiding a running back this week? I want to avoid Damian Harris. Uh, the Bills allow the third fewest fantasy points to running backs. Matchup is already troublesome. Add in the fact that Harris is now mired in a split with Ramondre Stevenson, where basically they're just alternating series at this point. And Brandon Bolden's taking the passing down work. So Harris is really a low upside, uh, just touchdown dependent play. Let's get to wide receiver. Um, this doesn't seem to be nearly as much of a cesspool because you actually have more options because there are more guys, simply put, who are ending up playing the position and putting up numbers. But the must play of the week 13 wide receiver card. Chase Claypool. This feels like a make or break game for the Steelers season. Claypool has been coming on strong after missing a game with turf toe. He accounted for 43.5% of his team's air yards over the past two weeks and has had a 20.5% target share. The problem for Claypool has been lack of touchdowns. He has just won all season. That's got to change eventually. He's getting he's, He has too many yards to not have more than one touchdown, and he scores this week. And on the other hand? Uh, Mike Williams is, is who we're sitting. Weekly occurrence. I feel like this is – Mike Williams has become your new Miles Gaskin. He has, and I, I just don't understand it because Big Mike is one of the easiest fades every single week. Because he continues to be ranked as a top 36 option wherever you look. And he continues to be discussed as this volatile wide receiver, too. He's not a wide receiver, too. He's at best a wide receiver, four. He's caught more than four passes just once since week five. He's scored fewer than eight fantasy points in five of his last six games, finishing no higher than wide receiver 45. Stop calling him a wide receiver, too. He is just as likely to have a boom week as someone like Deshaun Jackson. The boom weeks will happen on occasion, but they are completely random. Only start him if you really don't have a better option. JK, we are ready for some Twitter questions. And the first one comes from JK. Stevenson, Beasley, Burkhead. I need one guy in a half PPR. Help me, Jason Katz. You're my only help. That is a brutal set of options. I'm actually forced to start Rex Burkhead in that league I just mentioned where I have all those guys injured because, of course, how it works is your guys always get hurt when there's buys and then the backups that you have on your own team get hurt as well. Um, I think that Burkhead might be the guy because 61% of the snaps last week, his highest of the season, 15 opportunities. And David Johnson hasn't practiced as of today. We don't know if it's due to this illness that's going around the Texans or if it's because of this thigh injury, but either way, Burkhead looks to be the lead guy. And you just got to chase the volume when you're, when you're dealing with these, uh, these desperation plays. If he's getting 12 to 15 touches, maybe he falls into the end zone. That's kind of your, your only hope. Well, Jay, this one is from Vin. It's full PPR. One of your favorites on the Giants this year, Kenny Galladay or Javante Williams? Oh, my God. Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon. See, I gave you a layup there. Okay, I gave you a layup. Hey, listen, I tell you what Twitter tells me. That's all. I appreciate it because these have been very, very tough. So it's nice to have one where there's a clear answer. Javante Williams. Uh, he could end up in a true three-down role this week if Melvin Gordon doesn't play. And Vic Fangio said that Melvin is very much 50-50. When I hear that, I'm thinking that either either he doesn't play or he plays and he's limited, gets banged up, exits early. Javante Williams last week, 
18 opportunities to touch the ball, 54 rushing yards, 57 receiving yards. He found the end zone, and man, that 40-something yard reception he had where he caught it for like three, four yards on on a little flare out and just turned the corner and burst off field that I didn't know he had. He he just, he looks really, really good. If he, if he can get a feature role, I think that we could see an RB one of the future. Aren't you happy? I don't have to ask you about Tua and Tannehill this week. Isn't it nice? I don't have to ask you that question. Oh God. I mean, the answer is probably never going to be Tannehill again. I'm, I'm done with him. Wow. Talk about turning his back on his like man crush at the beginning of the year. It just goes to show you how a fantasy season could come full circle. Real quick, Monday Night Football, crazy wins. Is that going to scare you with any of the Buffalo and New England wide receivers and quarterbacks? I mean, Allen, you're probably starting no matter what. If you drafted Josh Allen, you're starting Josh Allen. But like for those other dudes, are you avoiding them with these crazy weather conditions that we're expecting? It's difficult to make decisions based on weather, especially when we're talking about something that, at least as of Sunday morning, will be well over 24 hours out. Things can change quickly. We've had games in the past where we're expecting these gale force winds or this heavy rain. And then by the time the game happens, it's like, oh, everything's fine. But typically when you start reaching the 25 to 30 mile per hour wind range, that's when it starts to actually impact passing games. And if we're going to get this bad weather, you're never benching Josh Allen, never benching Stephon Diggs. But if you're talking about any receiver on the Patriots, if you're talking about the, the ancillary pass catchers like Dawson Knox, like Manny Sanders, like Cole Beasley. Yeah, I definitely consider fading them if we're, doing, if we're dealing with really bad weather. Jason Katz, Pro Football Network, a weekly friend of New York, New York. I'm hoping for a New York, New York sweep. I know I will chat with you next week. Enjoy it, buddy. Keep picking winners, okay? Two weeks left. We, we, we got, it's good to go time. It's hard to believe. We do have a week 18, but that does not matter from a fantasy perspective. All right, Kitty. Enjoy it, baby. You too. Fabulous, fabulous stuff all the way around. Great work by Saruti manning the ship solo. Proud of him for that. I mean, a man of many talents. I'm back Sunday. We'll probably have the pot out a little earlier. I'm going to do it right after the 4 o'clock games, and my mood will depend entirely on what I see at MetLife Stadium. New. Notice that was a little bit of a Freudian slip because I'm afraid that Miami is basically going to be like MetLife Stadium with all the transplant in New York is going down there. You notice where I was going with that. All right, JJ out. We'll talk to you from sunny South Florida. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.